Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, April 5th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we're going to hit on all of Tuesday's action. Jorge Mateo's hot start. The Orioles are calling up top pitching prospect Grayson Rodriguez. Two more home runs hit for Brian Anderson, who Scott White does not believe in, and (laughs) much more. Uh, (laughs) Let's get things started. Yesterday, I mentioned that um, we were going to mix in some new calls here with, oh my goodness gracious, it's not going to go away completely. We'll still play it once per week. You won't know when it's coming, though, so I'll surprise you. But here's uh, today's, oh my goodness gracious, player of the night. I don't believe what I just saw. Of course, that is the legendary Jack Buck call on Kirk Gibson's home run, something that uh, many people sent in and wanted to hear. So uh, there you go. It's a classic. It's a classic. It is a classic. By the way, if you're you're watching on YouTube, you might notice all three of us are wearing glasses today. We're the the four-eyed trio. That's right. Bunch of nerds. Chris, Chris almost always wears glasses. I'm wearing glasses by necessity. Can't wear my contacts. Eye infection. Frank's doing it just in solidarity, so I appreciate that, Frank, for joining the four-eyed trio. <laughs> yes, yes, I had to support my guys. Uh, speaking of which, let's start off with Chris. You haven't been on in a couple of days. Oh, my goodness gracious, who do you have? And the irony is you guys probably need glasses more than I do. For me, it's it's sort of an aesthetic choice. I do need oh, glasses when I'm using a computer, but and I also, you know, it looks nice. My, oh, my goodness gracious player of the night is Spencer Torkelson, who finally came to life tonight. He'd gone off to a very slow start. It was, you know, four games. So who cares? But no, now he's uh, now his OPS is all of a sudden up to 774. He had three batted balls hit over 100 miles an hour, including his first home run of the season. Uh, Also had a double, drove in three runs and not striking out so far. Uh, Only three strikeouts. Through the first five games, 20 plate appearances. That's what we want to see. I mean, he struck out about 25% of the time. So this is a big improvement. Obviously, it's very, very early. And he wasn't exactly hitting the ball super hard before this. So I don't want to overstate the gains that he's made. But it was a good sign. And at this point in the season, we're looking for positive signs. I think that's really like there are very few things right now that can change my opinion of a player. So what, what I want to see is just 
guys putting together good games, guys putting together multiple good games, guys showing signs of progress. And I think tonight was a sign of progress for Spencer Torkelson. Yes, indeed it was. Monster game, three for four with a home run and three RBI. Had three batted balls, over 102 mile per hour exit velocity. And I had this plan for a little bit later on, comparing waiver wire hitters to other waiver wire hitters for uh, for the listeners out there. First base roster rate is kind of weird. There's this huge drop-off after uh, Rowdy Telez, so I'm not going to compare Torkelson to him because I think we'd all very clearly rather have Rowdy Telez. But how about comparing Torkelson to some of the other corner infielders that have emerged? Joan Moncada, Eli Harris Montero, Spencer Steer. Chris, where would you rank Torkelson amongst that group? Uh, so it was Montero, Steer, and Moncada? Correct. I think he ranks among that group. I, I, I don't have a specific answer because I think they were <laughs> all probably week. Well, I think they were all probably in like the 240 to 300 range for me coming into the season. Montero maybe a little lo- lower than that. Um, and I don't think anything we've seen so far has changed any of that order. Um, I could find the ranking that I had them in coming into the season if, if we'd like, but I haven't grown much more interested in any of them i was sort of interested in three of the four coming in so i uh Montero, you know least interesting to you right yes yes just not sure he's yeah. an everyday player don't think well, he's, he's as talented as the other guys but like you're not Field sure helps. he deserves to be an everyday player or you're not sure he actually is because i, I think he sat once for moustakis in five yeah. games so. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, he might be, I, I just coming in, I wasn't sure he was yeah. an everyday player, I guess would be the way to say that. So I mean, he's, um, he's the one I might consider dropping for Torkelson, but I, like, yeah. Anytime you invest in a Rockies hitter, you got, you got to at least give him a, a series at Coors Field, yeah. right? They have a four game series against the nationals pitching staff coming up. So it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's always night like in theory. Oh yeah. It'd be great to pick up Spencer Torkelson. Um, you know, somebody who's who I think is a more talented player than Montero in a in a neutral Certainly. context. I mean, first overall pick a yeah. couple years ago, so you would think so. He should be Spencer Torkelson. Should be he's interesting. He's got that post hype. Obviously, lots of prospect pedigree. We'll see if he can continue to string t- things together. But it was a big game on Tuesday night for Spencer Torkelson. He's fifty three percent rostered. Scott, let's jump over to you. Oh my goodness gracious! Mm-hmm. From Tuesday night. Kenta Maeda is my oh my goodness gracious player. Now, it was at Miami, so, you know, however much you want to ding him for that. But Kenta Maeda's first start back from Tommy John surgery looked about as good as he ever has. Struck out nine in five innings. No walks, notable, because he uh, had some marked control issues in spring training. That's actually what steered me away from him. So no walks versus nine strikeouts in five innings for Kinta Maeda. And this one, 17 whiffs on 79 pitches, including 12 on his slider. And he threw the slider most of all. He threw the splitter, I believe, second most of all. Those are two pitches that are especially tough on the elbow. And so to see him come back with his usual pitch selection uh, and 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 them being as effective as they were, I think is a really good sign. And it's one of those situations where, man, I just wish I ignored everything he was doing in spring training because that's that's what ultimately steered me away from Kintamayeda. I probably would have been pretty excited about him, as I usually am, pitchers coming back from Tommy John surgery, uh, if, if not for that. Fortunately, let's see, what's his roster rate, Frank? You probably have that ready to go. 50%. Yeah, so in, at least in those 12-team leagues... Still have a shot at him. You know, I'm sure you guys talked about it yesterday with Freddie Peralta pitching, but I had a similar reaction there where I was just like, damn, I wish I had that yep. guy on more of my teams. And, <laughs> and that's, we that's definitely how I that feel exactly. about Kenta Maeda. Yeah. yeah. And Maeda, I wrote up as a as a sleeper earlier in the offseason, and then the spring kind of scared me off too. And I, I guess we could kind of take that as a – Maybe a lesson learned, a little check in, in that box there, and uh, maybe don't overrate uh, spring training performances. Of course. Anytime I see a good pitching performance from anyone, I, I'm filled with envy <laughs> because they have been so few and far between. Kenta Maeda looks like the best pitcher in the world today. <laughs> of course he's not, but that's, that's how the experience of this season has been so far. 
and I'm sure we'll get into that more later. Uh, I'll tell you what, Scott, the pitcher on the other side of that game was actually the best pitcher yeah, in the world. True. Fair enough. On uh, on Tuesday night, we'll get to him in just a little bit. Kenta Maeda, I mentioned, pretty widely available, 50% rostered. Uh, the most added starting pitchers on CBS right now, Graham Ashcraft, Mike Clevenger, Aaron Savali, Justin Steele. Where would you slot Kenta Maeda among that group, Scott? I think we're all taking Ashcraft first, right? Yes, but Maeda maybe second. Steel's up there. Steel probably third. Um, let me just make sure I didn't I didn't miss a name. Yeah, Clevenger and Savali with other two. Yeah, okay. Right. So I'd rank them all. Ashcraft, Maeda, Steel, then bit of a drop-off to Clevenger, then a really big drop-off to Savali. I agree with that. All right. Oh, my goodness gracious for me will be Jorge Mateo here on Tuesday night who had a uh, another pretty big game here. Two hits for him including his second home run of the season. He also has four stolen bases already this year. This dude does not want to lose his job. And there is something to that. I know it's kind of narrative driven, but we see things like this when there is, I guess, a... It's so weird to call Jorge Mateo a veteran player, but I guess by definition, he is a veteran player. But someone like that who hears the footsteps and, and the murmurs of the prospects that are coming, obviously the Orioles are loaded, and who knows, maybe, you know, a couple of weeks from now, a month from now, Jorge Mateo will fall off and none of this will matter. But I, I've seen things like this play out before where, you know, lights a little bit of a fire there. And uh, so far, Jorge Mateo is off to a great start. Again, two home runs, four steals. He started four of five games. He has just two strikeouts through his first 17 plate appearances. And he's 48% rostered, shortstop eligible on CBS. Had this little segment coming later on, uh, Jorge Mateo versus blank. Torkelson versus Blank earlier as well. Mateo versus Bryce Terang, Scott, who we just spoke about yesterday. Mm. Who would you rather have? Mateo's off to this awesome start. Yeah, definitely Terang. I don't buy this Mateo stuff. I mean, he'll steal a lot of bases, but the fact he's only struck out twice, I mean, he has enough of a track record that I, I feel confident he's not going to do that. Yeah, he's hit a couple out of the park already, but, you know, I, I think it's just kind of a, one of those fluky things that happens over a small sample of baseball and uh, outside of being a steel specialist, not much utility in Mateo. I assume I know the answer to this one as well, but Chris, Jorge Mateo or Ezekiel Tovar, who hasn't played a game in Coors Field yet? Yeah, I would not drop Ezekiel Tovar. I mean, like, I don't, I just, I don't think we've learned anything about Mateo. You know, like he hasn't struck out a lot in four games. Well, that's nice. It's a good thing to see, but like, we know he's got a little pop. He had 13 home runs home runs last year. We know he can steal a bunch of bases. He stole a bunch of bases last year, led the American League in steals. So I just I, I don't think we've seen anything new that that is compelling enough to change my opinion about Jorge Mateo, which is if you need steals, he's going to get a bunch of them. That's probably all he's really going to do. I don't know if there's enough of a track record, though. I mean, 783 career plate appearances. I, I still think there's a chance at... Yeah, but also 250 games at AAA where he's had a two like a 730-ish OPS, which that's not terrible. If if Jorge Mateo had a 730 OPS this season in the majors, he'd probably be a really useful fantasy option. I just he did that in AAA. Plus, and then like, we've seen him in the majors. So it's like, you know, we I, I think it's it's entire it's possible that he's unlocking something new he was a former top prospect clearly a talented player but i just i think it's more likely than not that he's just what he was would it surprise yeah. you though if he goes 250 with 15 home runs and 50 stolen bases i wouldn't be shocked i would be surprised yeah that's better than what i expect from him that's a, probably a best case outcome for him and you know just looking at the stack cast sliders, the thing that stands out as most different right now is the plate discipline. And that has been very consistent and uh, usually doesn't change much over the course of a player's career. All right. Well, I was mostly playing devil's advocate because <laughs> I wouldn't drop him for either Bryce Sarang or Ezekiel Tovar. I think it's much closer with Sarang. Uh, I'm still giving Tovar the benefit of the doubt. He's one of the top prospects in baseball and again, has not played a single game yet in Coors Field. So for anyone who's worried about Tovar out there, don't be. Let's give him a little if bit of time. If you specifically need steals, I could see dropping Terang for Mateo. Like if that's if you just have a really glaring need for that one category, 
I could see it. I just I I would rather gamble on Terang's youth and and pedigree and just being a little bit more of a mystery box. He might just be a Jorge Mateo esque hitter, yeah. but I'd I'd rather give him a chance. And he's obviously going to give you steals too, Mateo. If 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 Mateo hits well enough to keep his job, which I think is a big question, will mm-hmm. probably give more than Terang. But like this early in the season, I don't think you should be chasing mm-hmm. a category that hard. Oh my goodness gracious! Shout out to Sandy Alcantara. Let's just uh, let's let's give him his due here. He led baseball with six complete games last year, and now he has the first one in 2023, which obviously makes the most sense. Three hit shutout with five strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes on 100 pitches in that start. He has at least 14 swinging strikes in each of his first two starts, which I which I thought was pretty interesting. The time of that mm-hmm. game. One hour and 57 minutes. Uh, yeah, that, that was one that, like, I looked down at my clock entering the ninth, my watch at entering the ninth inning, and I was like, 840. <laughs> and that game was a... And then this game started at, at 645-ish. Right. And so I was like, oh, man, it's been almost three hours. Wait, that's not right. It <laughs> hasn't been two hours yet. That was, yeah, he had a, yeah. a four-pitch inning at one point. It was, he was very impressive. I mean, he's... And- He's very impressive. And, uh, well, it, it, it served as a reminder to me and to anyone else who might be experiencing some panic over the state of pitching right now that... Um, you know, it's been was, one start? Out, Sandy Alcantara was one of many pitchers, including high-end types like him, who did not look very good first time out. Second time out, looked more like what we were expecting. Well, uh, I'll tell you one pitcher who did not. That was Max Scherzer. We'll talk about him a little bit later on. Uh, Scott, before we get into Grayson Rodriguez, I know that you were tracking home runs hit over the past two days, and we've been getting lots of tweets and people in the YouTube chat talking about home runs, you know, the juice ball is back and all this kind of crazy Uh stuff. What are you Uh noticing with the uh, home run outputs the past couple days? Uh, Well, remember when we talked about it just yesterday, we were looking at the, the results through Sunday. We hadn't factored in Monday or... Yeah, what's today? Tuesday? Yeah, we hadn't factored in Monday yet. And we were saying, okay, it looks about the same as through the first four days last year. Well, you know what happened Monday? 53 home runs were hit. 53, more than a third of the season total up to that point. And that kind of changed the math a bit. (laughs) Now suddenly home runs are skyrocketing. Um, and maybe you could say, okay, it was a fluke day. I guess a lot of bad pitchers were pitching. The Giants happened to hit seven home runs that day. Well, today, at last count, and I don't think it's changed now that those last games have wrapped up, 43 home runs were hit. Not 53, but there's one fewer game. And 43 still a lot, okay? I did a little quick math here. If every day over 162 game season there are 40 home runs hit we average 40 home runs so not even 43 certainly not 53 just 40 is the average over 162 games then we end up with the second highest home run total uh like if we're if we're lumping 2023 in with the juice ball year it would be the second highest home run total behind only 2019 so that's that's pretty scary, especially since it's April, typically the worst month for offense. And seeing the totals exceeding 40. So I'm a little scared. I'm a little worried. And to make matters worse, there was a tweet today. Do you happen to have that tweet ready, Frank? A tweet from whom? tweet that shook the foundation of the fantasy baseball world. A tweet unlike any tweet we've seen before or since that basically said the drag on the ball is much lower than last year. In fact, more in line with the juice ball era so far. I, I, I forget who tweeted out. I can't find it in my it was, timeline either. I, I can but that was that. the gist of it. I actually that was the gist of it. I didn't see the tweet, so okay. <laughs> apologies. Well, it, was, it, it, it didn't shake your world, but it shook everybody else's. And um, so... Between that and the home run totals we've seen the last couple days, is the juice ball back? And if the juice ball is back, then everything we've worked for is ruined, Frank. It's ruined. Okay, this is what I actually think. Because that's what I fear. 
Right. But this is what I actually think is going on. I, I think just the terminology we've used to describe that era juice ball kind of suggests there's something nefarious going on. And I don't think that's true. I think it was happenstance. Hanlon's razor, right? Never attribute to malice that which could be contributed to stupidity or maybe just negligence is a better word than stupidity. In any case, I think what's happening here and why we've seen so much fluctuation just in the last three years when MLB is supposed to be making an effort to push this out of the game is that it's just really hard when you have baseballs handcrafted. These aren't put together by machines. The seams are actually sewn by real-life people. It's that hard to be that... It, it's really hard to be that precise with it. And there's a range of acceptable... Uh, there's an acceptable range for the way for for the um, specs on the ball that is pretty wide, all things considered. It's narrower than it used to be during the juice ball era, but it's still pretty wide in terms of how the ball can play, depending on how tight the seams are, for instance. So I, I think I think it's less an issue of oh MLB like. You know, they're they're trying to influence the game. They they don't know what they're doing. I, I think it's less that than just the way the balls are manufactured it causes a certain amount of variability. And um this particular batch of balls seems to be more buoyant or um have less drag, however you want to put it, than the batch of balls we were dealing with last year. But I'll point out. It wasn't uniform last year either. Mm -hmm. It started out especially bad. And by the end of the season, it was bad for hitting. I mean, and, and by the end of the season, it was more on the good side again. And so like to, to say, oh, it's going to be 2019 all over again. Probably not. Probably there will be a different batch of balls later in the year that reduce the amount of home runs being hit, have more drag. And we're just going to have to look at the end of the season and look at, at the end of the season, look back and see what the final numbers were to, to, to see if the overall trend is still more toward hitting or if the pendulum has swung back or is still more toward pitching or if the pendulum has swung back toward hitting as everybody is speculating right now. I hope it does. I hope this pace that we've seen recently doesn't continue because if it does, then you have... With the with the shift bands with the shift bands in effect, you have a lot more success on balls in play, and then a ton of home runs on top of it, and that's going to make for an oversaturated offensive environment that will frankly go beyond what we saw during the juice ball era because there's so many hits on balls in play now. One that would thing be, that would be a problem. One thing I will point out is we're still dealing with really really small sample sizes. The home run to fly ball ratio, the first three days of the season, so through play on, or first four days of the season, through play on Sunday, was 11.6%. Yesterday, Monday, was 18%. That's a really, really big shift. And it could just be like we've gone one th turn through the rotation, and most teams' number four and five starters pitched yesterday and today. That, that might be like Max Scherzer also pitched today, and he was terrible. And you can look at it and say, well, Max Scherzer giving up back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back home runs. This could be evidence of a juice ball. That's not something that we've ever seen. But, well, he gave up 13 batted balls over 95 miles per hour. And the juiced ball era was not about the ball coming off the bat harder. You know, it, it wasn't like they, they, they were sticking a 25-cent rubber ball inside of the ball and, and it was just flying. It was that the ball carried further. A little bit was the coefficient of restitution or whatever that it did bounce a little farther off the bat. But for mm -hmm. the most part, the change came with regards to the ball not traveling as far or traveling further. There was more or less drag depending on what year you're talking about. And Max Scherzer giving up 95, 13, 95 mile per hour batted balls. That's just Max Scherzer pitching really poorly. <laughs> and that's not because, I mean... I. It could be because of the baseball. I don't want to say it can't be because we also have had pitchers complaining about inconsistent seams and the ball not being tacky enough and all these things. Pitchers are prone to complaining. They're very particular about their craft, as they should be. Mm -hmm. But it's just to say that, like, 
some of this could just be that a bunch of bad pitchers pitched the last two days and then a couple of good pitchers pitched poorly. We're one turn turn through the rotation for nearly every pitcher. All right, let's keep things moving here because uh, I think it's a relevant conversation. But again, we're dealing with so many small sample sizes that we're just kind of speculating at this point. I do think that if what you said, Scott, where the ball is flying a little bit, you know, more uh, frequently through the air, let's call it, and there's shift restrictions and steals are up and we have all this offense, then I think we probably have to try and trade for pitching at some point in the near future. But I think we need to get more data uh, around the league first before we start, you know, making moves like that in fantasy baseball. Let's take our first break here. And when we return, we'll talk about Grayson Rodriguez on Fantasy Baseball Today. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Ever dream about buying a Fantasy Baseball Today podcast shirt and then jumping over to get a Yellowstone whiskey glass or Top Gun Maverick hat? Well, now you can with the brand new Paramount Shop, which offers a mountain of merch from the Paramount shows and movies that you love. Shop official apparel, drinkware, and accessories inspired by over 150 fan-favorite titles, Paw Patrol, Yellowstone, Top Gun, Star Trek, South Park, SpongeBob SquarePants, and your favorite CBS sports podcasts like Pick 6, Fantasy Football Today, and of course, fantasy baseball today scan the qr code in the top right corner if you're watching on youtube or head to paramountshop.com the paramount shop where products are paramount let's talk about grayson rodriguez who will apparently be called up on wednesday and it sounds like he actually could start in that game as well i don't know that that's actually been confirmed but there have been some rumors of that happening he will oppose jacob de if that happens and Frankly, that would be pretty awesome. We know the minor league numbers have been amazing for Grayson Rodriguez. 421 strikeouts, over 296 innings pitched in the minors. His spring training was very bad. So before spring started, we were all but assured Grayson Rodriguez would be in the opening day rotation. Goes out, has a bad spring, gets sent down. Okay, work on some things, Call back, get called back up. Uh, now that oh, Kyle Bradish is dealing with injury, he gets to call again. I think it's kind of weird timing because he made one start in the minors this year, and frankly, he wasn't very good. Four innings, three runs, four walks to two strikeouts. It was apparently rainy during that start, but (laughs) yeah, I I agree with you. It's it's weird. It it is very weird. Last year, uh, Grayson Rodriguez only threw 75 and two-thirds innings due to injury, so uh, we're talking about a very talented pitcher here, guys, but... I just don't know what to expect in these first couple of starts and what the workload is going to be like, obviously. Uh, so yeah. 72% rostered. Scott, what do we think here? I mean, is he just a must-add based on you know prospect pedigree and, and talent? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I consider him the top prospect in baseball. And you know, I remember last year I had the take when Michael Harris got called up. I think they're rushing him. I don't think this is good timing for him. And, and wow, did that turn out not to be the case? So I, I think that the rule that if you know there's a lot of talent there, you just go for it and see how it plays out. I, I think that's a good rule to have in fantasy without getting bogged down by, um, you, you know, bogged down in the minutia. We know Grayson Rodriguez is super talented, and if he had gotten called up last 
June, like I think the plan was before he suffered the strain lat, we'd, we'd all be tripping over each other to, to get him first. It's just that, well, he didn't look very good this spring and his first start in the minors this year wasn't that good either. So it's a rare case of a top prospect gets called up and eh, I kind of wish he would have gotten more time in the minors. And, and I think like the Orioles didn't, were, were kind of, forced into this because look who made the rotation Tyler Wells like it's not like they're working with a uh, a full deck here at starting pitcher already so they, they they lose Bradish and okay I guess Grayson Rodriguez is the next man up fingers crossed yeah uh, Chris if Grayson Rodriguez is available in leagues that have fab how much money are you thinking to spend on him let's say you know, a 12-team points league versus a 15-team roto. Obviously, you know, he'd go much for much more money in a deeper league, but what are you thinking in terms of fab for him? I, I would say a shallower league, maybe... I, I would say 20 to 25% for both is what my initial thought was. Maybe that won't be enough. Maybe people will be super aggressive for him. I do expect him to be very good just because I believe in the talent and I thought that he should have been a top 200 pick before we thought he was before we found out he wasn't making the rotation. So I'm not going to change my priors all that much. I, I think the process that led the Orioles here was weird. I don't really understand it, but I'm going to bet on talent, you know, with young pitchers, like I don't want to say development doesn't matter, but I do think like, once you're ready, you're ready is how I tend to view it. And that doesn't mean he's going to be a superstar right now and can't continue to develop. But like, I think I'd rather see him making these starts in the majors than in the minors. Anyway, we obviously know about the injury risk of pitchers. And we've seen a lot of young pitchers take the league by storm, especially guys who have really, really good stuff like Grayson Rodriguez. This is not a spend a Jared Schuster situation where, you know, you read, they was like, oh, well, the numbers are pretty good. And then you read the scouting reports and it's like, oh, he throws 90. You know, Grace Rodriguez throws 97. He's got multiple good secondary pitches. So I'm, I'm very excited. Scott, are you adding Grace Rodriguez over Ashcraft and Kenta Maeda, the, the top two pitchers we spoke about earlier? I believe so. Uh, I definitely Maeda over Maeda. I'm trying to remember where I moved Ashcraft today. But it, it would be close between him and Rodriguez for me. Probably though. Probably certainly like the shallow, the kind of shallow league where you'd have to where you'd be faced with that decision. I think you shoot for the upside with Rodriguez. All right. So again, Grace Rodriguez being called up on Wednesday. Sounds like he's gonna make that start opposing Jacob DeGrom and uh lots of talent. We'll see if he can uh, remain healthy and uh, translate it into the major leagues. Let's get into some news and notes, and we'll stick with the Orioles. Gunnar Henderson was out of the lineup due to a sore right hand. He took a 107 mile per hour grinder, uh, grinder, grounder <laughs> off of that hand on Monday night. Uh, so that's why he was out. Joe Musgrove is scheduled to make a rehab start at AAA on Thursday, and after that, they should have a better idea of his timeline following that start. Max Fried was officially placed on the IL. Bryce Elder was recalled and is likely to start Wednesday against the Cardinals. Lance McCullers said Tuesday that he's been throwing at high intensity and considers himself ahead of schedule. He's rehabbing a strained forearm and is 67% rostered. So if you have an IL spot available, go out and add Lance McCullers. Kyle Bradish is still dealing with a sore foot. Sounds like he's going to go on the IL, obviously, if they're calling up Grayson Rodriguez. Miguel Vargas was out of the lineup after getting hit by a pitch in his right thumb on Monday, and uh, he'll be reevaluated Thursday because the Dodgers have a day off on Wednesday. Mookie Betts started at second base. That is his second start. So uh, in CBS, we only need three more of those, and Betts will have second base eligibility. Max Kepler's MRI showed patellar tendonitis in his right knee. Manager Rocco Baldelli said the team will see how Kepler feels on Wednesday. Johnny Cueto will go on the IL with that lingering biceps issue, but is hoping for a minimal IL, uh, minimal stay. And Braxton Garrett was recalled. He's 8% rostered. Not sure how long he's going to be around. He doesn't have crazy upside. You know, I think he's solid, but in deeper leagues... He's a name you can look at. That is Braxton Garrett. Joey Wendell was also placed on the IL with an intercostal strain. Garrett Hampson was recalled, and John Birdie started at shortstop on Tuesday night. Leody Tavares took batting practice Tuesday, could be back as soon as next week. He's 5% rostered for those who play 
in, I would say, pretty deep leagues, like 15-team, five outfielder leagues or deeper. He does have some speed potential. Again, that's Leody Tavares. Miguel Rojas was out of the lineup due to a mild left groin strain. And just one other prospect update. Brett Beatty left a uh, left Tuesday's game in the minors and is scheduled to undergo imaging on his right thumb, the same thumb that he had surgery on last September. So it just sucks. It's bad timing. He had a monster first game, I think two home runs and a stolen base. Uh, and now dealing with this injury, we'll see... Uh, the latest updates on Brett Beatty. Let's talk about some other waiver wire hitters in the shallowest of leagues. Yandy Diaz is off to a nice start. He went two for four with a three-run homer, a walk, and three runs scored. And in uh, three games before Tuesday, obviously a very small sample size, his fly ball rate was 37.5%. The one thing we've always said about Yandy Diaz is if he just lifts the ball a little bit more, Maybe we're talking a 20 home run hitter with a good batting average, good OBP, and, and scoring a bunch of runs. So uh, he's 80% mm-hmm. rostered. Uh, Chris, if you know if he's available in like a 10 or 12 team head-to-head points league, do you think Yandy Diaz has to be rostered in a league like that? I don't want to say has to. It's very, very early. And at this point in the league, a 37.5% fly ball rate can mean like he has eight fly balls instead of six. Which is what you would expect around this time. So, it's it's good to see. It's the thing you want to see from a guy like Yandy Diaz. But I, I'm not I'm not ready to say that. Like a 12 team points league is pretty shallow. You know, is he a top 12 yes. third baseman or one of the? Or you know, I guess he's first and third base eligible, right? I, I, I'm guessing he was a top 12 in points leagues last year, just because the plate discipline's so good. But, um, uh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, has... like at age thirty-one, is he going to transform into something different? Probably not. Uh, it is interesting that you know regular season and spring training combined, sixteen games. He has four home runs. That's un Diaz like, un Yandy Diaz like. Yeah, he's only. 30... I, I think the fact that his better format is points leagues, and points leagues tend to be the shallowest formats, <laughs> makes it more justifiable. He was 11th in points leagues last season. Wilmer Flores was 12th. (laughs) (laughs) I think that tells you a lot more about third base than it does about Yandy Diaz. Yeah. I was going to say Yandy Diaz is only third base eligible for now. Probably gain first base. I I assume at some point, because they, they move him uh, between those two quite a bit. Scott, big night for your man, uh, Garrett Mitchell there two for four with a double dong. One of them, was 112.3 miles per hour off the bat, and it came off of a lefty, which you love to see for Garrett Mitchell. He's 54% rostered. Garrett Mitchell versus James Outman. Who would you rather have? Oh, Mitchell, for sure. Okay, what about Garrett Mitchell versus Oscar Colas? Uh, Mitchell, in, in most cases, I would say. Like, definitely in categories, leagues because of the massive steals potential. But, like... You know, he keeps having these games with the power that, you know, I, I know the longstanding narrative that I've uh, turned to myself with Garrett Mitchell is, well, he has a lot of lot of raw power, but that swing really isn't optimized for it. I mean, the home run production seems good enough considering how many bases he's likely to steal. I, I think a, a Cedric Mullins outcome is on the table here. A, if he makes enough contact to stay in the lineup and B if uh, if if he can start making if he can begin making some starts against left-handed pitchers which we haven't seen him do yet this year let's talk about Brian Anderson who went three for four with a double dong six RBI two runs scored monster game here on Tuesday night three homers in the past two days he's 11% rostered and has seven road games next week Chris would you rather have Brian Anderson over uh Three names we've talked about a lot recently. Joey Gallo, Trevor Larnick, Joey Weimer. These are more, you know, five outfielder leagues. What do you think? I would rather have him than Larnick. I would rather have the other two guys than Anderson. Okay. So you're going Gallo, Gallo Weimer over Brian Gallo, Anderson. Weimer, Anderson, Larnick. Ah, so Chris is the one. Because we were debating yesterday Larnick versus Gallo. Frank and I went Larnick. With... Some arm twisting, him him conducting some arm twisting on me to to get me there. But 
Interesting that you go the other way. I, I, I will just say, like, maybe I'm not giving Larnick enough credit and maybe there's something I'm missing there, but I've just, I've never found him particularly interesting. Um, but well, it, it's I've possible I've never there's... found Brian Anderson interesting, okay? And I'm tired of Frank Brick. Oh, I thought you were talking about Gallo. I know, I'm changing the subject. Yeah. <laughs> he hit two home runs today, so we have to talk about him. But I yeah, I, I don't I think really get Anderson. The... There are For some me, people out there who seem really enthusiastic about Brian Anderson. So, like, I, I don't get him. Between 2019 and 2020, he did have okay. an 811 OPS. Those were different <laughs> offensive environments, but four it's and three also years ago, he was passable. Worth pointing out, he's in a different offensive environment now. And so I think that would be the biggest thing, would be just okay. Milwaukee's a American play. family field. That's is right. What it, uh, that, that there's I think so they much changed blue. the name like three years ago, and I still want to no, call you it Miller. So that's that's the biggest thing for me. It's just like he's in a much better home park, but I'm not super enthusiastic about Brian Anderson. Like, I know I could see how that home park could make him could take him from bad to passable again, like a borderline 800 OPS if he plays enough. But I, I don't get, I don't get the like the way some people are talking about him. It's like he has big breakout potential or something. I don't see it. Looking at the Statcast page, a lot of blue on there the past few years. A lot of blue. I don't think that there's some kind of big breakout coming. But if he's a, this is famously you know floor versus ceiling type thing. If you think that he can get to a borderline 800 OPS bat, that might just be better than Joey Gallo, Trevor Larnick, and Joey Weimer. Right. I mean, those guys are kind of swinging for the fences and hope that, you know, in the case of Gallo, he reclaims some uh, old form or in the case of Larnick and Joey Weimer, they just break out because they're young players with upside. Uh, but if yeah. you just kind of need a, a, a safer kind of boring guy in a deeper league, then Brian Anderson might be for you. Now, it's, it's worth noting he didn't come close to an 800 OPS the past three years. <laughs> no. So it's, it's putting a lot of faith in the upside of 800 past OPS. Past two years. Okay. I love. Scott. Yeah, he was actually good in 2020. I love Chris's defense of Brian Anderson. Actually, I mean, past just, two know, years, just putting it out there. Uh, last yeah. last point here. I know you guys talked about it, but I actually want to put numbers to it. American Family Field in Milwaukee is eighth best for right-handed power, yeah. and Miami is 24th. So mm-hmm. it is a much better home run hitting venue out there in Milwaukee. But like, I think the best case scenario is he's probably like an average hitter. Yes, that, that sounds right. That is Brian Anderson. Rank these potential power speed options in five outfielder leagues. So probably deeper formats, maybe some 12s, some 15s. TJ Friedel uh, had two hits, including his second home run of the season. And I believe he's played every game, even against lefties. He's the one who stays in the lineup over Jake Fraley. So Friedel is out there playing. He's 15% rostered. Jose Siri went two for three with his second home run, added a double, a walk, and two runs scored. We spoke about him the other day. He's he's off to a very nice start for Tampa Bay. Ji Juan Bay, who I will admit, I'm I'm kind of reaching here because he hit his first career home run. I think he's mostly a uh, a speed threat. He he could provide you steals, but uh, he did hit that home run. He also made an amazing catch up against the Green Monster. So uh, he's just becoming kind of this uh this cult favorite of mine, this cult hero. I I'm in on Ji Juan Bay. I want him to succeed. And Chris, I mentioned last week that if he breaks out. That I would have a uh, a new soundbite for for Ji Huan Bay. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Hey baby. Hey baby. Hey baby. Hey baby. Hey baby. Ji Huan Bay. Uh, who would you guys prefer of those three? If you need a little power speed, T.J. Friedel, Jose Siri, Ji Huan Bay. I think Friedel. It's interesting that he's getting playing time over Jake Fraley. Fraley's sat against every left-hander so far, while T.J. Friedel, who also bats left-handed, has not. I, I don't know what that says about a lot of things, but it does say Friedel's playing a lot and seems to have job security, and he doesn't have the huge strikeout issues that Jose Siri does. Okay. I will I will say I'm pretty interested in, in Bay. He was the only one of the three that I added last week. You added him in some 15-team leagues where I could use some speed. But, like, you know, they all have decent minor league numbers. I think Jose Siri probably has the best minor league numbers of them. But Friedel and Siri are both 27. So they've been in their mid-20s while putting up 
I think Siri's case, it's like a high 800s OPS in the minors. In Friedel's case, it's like a high 700s OPS. G1 Bay is only 23. And last year, as a 22-year-old in the International League, so not a super inflated offensive environment, he did hit 289 with a decent strikeout rate and a 792 OPS. So, like, I think there might be an interesting skill set here even beyond the speed, Like, which is to say that he might be able to steal a bunch of bases while being a better hitter than someone like Jorge Mateo. Okay, so is that your answer, Chris, or...? Yes. All right, so you're taking Bay. Scott's taking Friedel, and I'm taking Jose Siri. So choose your favorite analyst, and, and that's the player that you're going with. Does this matter? AJ Pollock had a double dong. He's 12% rostered. I will say all of that last group, worse than Brian Anderson. <laughs> Jeez. All right. I think I'd rather uh, have Bay than Brian Anderson. Oh, okay. Uh, so AJ, what was your question about Pollock? Does this matter? Does, that, does the fact matter. that he hit a double dong. Uh-huh. I don't think so. There were a couple of wall scrapers. They were 100-mile-per-hour home runs, which is not a particularly good exit velocity for a home run. All right, fair enough. He's uh, 12% rostered, so, yeah, he's in that same roster rate as Brian Anderson and those other three names, but, yeah, I'm I'm much less excited about uh, A.J. Pollock than those other guys. Let's take our final break here, and when we get back, we'll talk about some uh, waiver-wire pitchers on Fantasy Baseball today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Make sure to download and follow Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. That is our five-minute podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We talked about Kent Maeda earlier. He was the top of my list in terms of waiver wire pitchers that could be available. He's 50% rostered. What about these other three names? These are, these are the interesting names, and we'll get to the, the not-so-interesting names in just a bit. Rowanzi Contreras had a solid start at the Red Sox. Five and two-thirds, one run, two strikeouts in that one. Yusei Kikuchi. Solid at the Royals, five innings, one run, two strikeouts. I love how I said, you know, these guys are interesting and they each had two strikeouts. So that just kind of shows you where we're at. Uh, Dylan Dodd, solid debut at the Cardinals. Five innings, one run, three strikeouts to zero walks there. Uh, Chris, who would you take out of uh, that group? Not including Maeda, because I think he's clearly ahead of those. Ronzi Contreras, Kikuchi, and Dylan Dodd. I would have said Contreras, but this was a pretty disappointing outing just didn't get any whiffs you would think you know with a slider like his he'd get a bunch of whiffs so and he used it so much 49% usage on the slider I think Kikuchi is the way to go I guess Kikuchi but again in his case it was also only nine swinging strikes still gave up on 69 pitches sure that's it makes the the ratio a little better but still not super impressive that's like what 13% that's, that's a good ratio. That's, yeah, that's a decent. That's a decent ratio, but it, but it's not it's not super impressive for the so, small sample size. So here's what I liked about Kikuchi, beyond that, a solid swing strike rate. <laughs> Velocity was up 1.9 on the slider. It was up 1.3 on the fastball. It was up even more on the changeup. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing since it's a changeup, but the fact that he threw so many changeups, which was his best pitch last year, hardly by the data, it was his best pitch last year, and he didn't use it that much. A lot more in this start. A lot more sliders, too. He faded the fastball, which was by far his worst pitch last year. So an improved pitch selection here and improved velocity uh, coming off a big spring. I know I've, we've all been faked out by Yusei Kikuchi more than once in the past, but I am going to try and shake that off. Wow. And he didn't fix his worst problem. 
what was his worst problem? 94 mile per hour average exit velocity. Look at the look at the look at the results against the changeup in the slider last year. Hitters did not have success against those pitches. Yeah. Well, the the slider 342 expected Woba against is pretty bad. Uh, 412 actual Woba. So I guess there was some bad luck there, but the changeup was very good. I just it, it would be one thing if like he got 15 swinging strikes and okay. maybe next, maybe next and got hit hard, you know, then I could live with, but this is like, it's like a pretty good swinging strike rate, but he got hit really, really hard. So it's like, I don't know how much I, I and these are all low end guys. I, I would just say, I'm not that interested in any of them. And if you wanted to drop any of them for Kenta Maeda, I would be perfectly happy yeah. to do that. I mean, they're not in the same category as Maeda. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yep, I agree with that. Yusei Kikuchi is SPARP eligible, so if you play in a head-to-head points league, uh, you got that, that, little, that little cheat code option for him. The not-so-interesting names, but they did pitch well. Wade Miley, successful first start with the Brewers. He was up against the Mets. He went six shutout with three strikeouts. His cutter velocity was up 1.3 miles per hour compared to last year. And Wade Miley was good back in 2021. 3.37 ERA. You know, 133 whip, obviously that's not great, but uh, he, he was a serviceable pitcher just a few years ago, and Kyle Gibson got his revenge at the Texas <laughs> Rangers. Seven innings, two runs, five strikeouts to zero walks in that one. 35% rostered. Uh, it looks like both of these guys are on track to be two-star pitchers next week. I think it's maybe a little bit too early to trust the schedules, but what do you, uh, Scott, what do you think about Wade Miley and Kyle Gibson? Uh, do you actually have any interest in those two? I think very little of them. They matter in the deepest <laughs> leagues, and maybe once in a while they'll show up as, as streamable pitchers on my sleeper pitchers list. But yeah, I, w- I would say Kyle Gibson like two home starts. I, I would probably be interested in him, but or you know a home start and a good road start. But like versus Oakland at the White Sox, even that I'm not sure would be enough to move me. I did want to circle back to Dylan Dodd. Because is this is this somebody compared to Miley or Gibson that, that we would have some interest in? I mean, the the results in this first start were good. Twelve swinging strikes on seventy three pitches, one earned run of five innings against the Cardinals. Twelve swinging strikes on seventy three pitches. It was basically all sliders and fastballs that he threw in, you know, nearly fifty fifty. So very similar to um, the Waskari Noah uh, pitch selection for Dylan Dodd. And it was definitely better than Jared Schuster's first start. I think it's going to earn Dylan Dodd more starts, but it doesn't have me rushing to pick him up either. I think him and Kikuchi is close. I think I would still prefer Kikuchi, but I'd, I'd probably take Dylan Dodd ahead of Ronzi Contreras just based on team context. So yeah. having a starter for the Braves versus Pirates. And you know, Dodd did look pretty good. You mentioned the swinging strikes. It's so weird that... Each of these guys, Kikuchi, Contreras, Dodd, they all allowed over 94 mile per hour exit velocity against uh, in this game. So they allowed a ton of hard contact. Um, but yeah, still still got a few whiffs there with Dodd. What about these two names here? Hayden Wisniewski is someone that we were excited about during spring training. And um, Domingo Herman, he got the whiffs. He had eight strikeouts and zero walks in this game. He actually left the start with only two earned runs. There were two runners on base, and the reliever allowed those inherited runners to score. So the final line looks a little bit worse. But are you guys holding with uh, Hayden Wisniewski? Or, I mean, I guess Domingo Herman's a little bit lower rostered. But what do you think about those two? I'm gonna try to hold with West Nesky. Mm-hmm. If 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 my only chance of getting Maeda, who's like the pitcher of the day, I guess, is to drop West Nesky, then I'm probably doing it. Yeah, his velocity. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. His velocity was up uh, to 94.5 miles per hour on average. He hit 98, uh, which is harder than we ever saw him throw last year. So, I think that was interesting. You know. Didn't get a lot of whiffs. Surprisingly, only three on the sweeper. That was a very good pitch for him last year. So I do think all in all, this was a not a promising start, but I think there were good signs. If you if you were high on Wasnaski, I wouldn't give up on him for sure. Average exit velocity was 82. So that's that's yeah. a promising sign in and of itself. Yeah. Wesneski versus Maeda, man. That's that's tough. If I, if I have Wesneski, I think I would hold rather than adding Maeda, but 
those those two are really close yeah. for me. Yeah, actually, the interesting thing, the fastball velocity was up. It got crushed. 99 mile per hour average exit velocity on four batted balls. It's a very small sample size, um, but that was the one thing that stood out to me. All right, let's talk about the aces and the ones that actually pitched well. Julio Arias went six shutout versus the Rockies. Luis Castillo, five and two-thirds shutout with six strikeouts against the Angels. Worth mentioning that his velocity was down 2.3 miles per hour on each of his fastball and slider. I think that's just something we have to come to expect early in the season for Luis Castillo. It it seems like it's been that way every April, as long as I've been doing this. So, uh, And that was one of the colder games today, the one in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts here? I think it's pretty much status quo for these two. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Aces that were just okay. Framber Valdez, seven innings, three runs. Two of those were earned. Nine strikeouts against the Tigers. He also gave up nine hits. That's why it's eh, just an okay outing. Shane Bieber, six innings, three runs, seven strikeouts at the Oakland A's. He threw his slider a career-high 54% in the start. His previous high was 43% in August of last year. Kind of interesting. Hugh Darvish, wild in his first outing, five innings, one run, four walks to three strikeouts, and two hit by pitch. So, again, I mean, these are guys that are either your SP1 or or SP2. We're relying on them, and neither of them, uh, none of them were great. Chris, are you, what do you take away from the slider usage with Bieber? Because, you know, I was trying to wrap my head around it. I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> well, his fastball velocity is down another mile per hour so far. Uh, he's averaging 90 miles per hour with his fastball now. And I just think this is what it looks like when pitchers lose their fastball is they've got to throw the, the secondary pitches more. And it's a trick that so far has worked for Shane Bieber. He has maintained uh, you know, a pretty high level of competition despite losing his fastball. You reach a point of diminishing returns in all likelihood. I, I think of Patrick Corbin in particular as someone who... I, I was going to bring up the same name, Chris. Just but, had one trick, yeah. and it was just throw the slider more. And once that trick stopped working, he became the worst pitcher in baseball. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Shane Bieber. And the fact right. that he's a righty and Patrick Corbin's a lefty probably helps in that regard because he's going to have the platoon advantage more often than not. Uh, I think Bieber is like a safe high-end number two, low-end number one starting pitcher, and I think he will be until the moment he's not. I think the end is going to come fast for Shane Bieber, but I don't think it's here yet. I want to jump in real quick on Framber Valdez because I know we're running out of time. I got a good news, bad news situation here with Framber Valdez. You said Frankie gave up nine hits, and that's That's why it wasn't a great start. Well, I think Fromber, we need to get used to the idea of Fromber Valdez giving up some hits because he's the most extreme sure. ground ball pitcher in the majors and more, many more ground balls are going for hits these days with the shift ban. So that yeah. you know it might just be a higher whip. That's the bad news. The good news is he may be able to counteract that with improved bat-missing ability because he's begun throwing a changeup this year that I don't think he had before, not not in any serious, not to any serious degree. It, he threw it 22% of the time in this one. It was responsible for seven of his 15 whiffs. So it looks like a really good pitch for Framber Valdez, and uh, it might help to counteract that that uh, that vulnerability to singles that he now has. Framber used the changeup 9% last year, so... Mm-hmm. Not much, but not insignificant. And it was clearly his worst secondary pitch between the curveball, the cutter, and the changeup. And I, I was going to say, I want him to use those pitches more, Scott. I want him to use the cutter and the curveball more because I feel like... He, he got well, half the whiffs on the changeup. Like, yeah. I, I, I I think it's a different changeup. I could be wrong. I didn't see any commentary. But, like, you don't, you don't go from throwing it, you know, as just a show-me pitch to making it one of your top secondary pitches if you don't have new confidence in it. I do wonder, did the Tigers have any lefties in the lineup? Oh, I was watching that game, and it sh- Riley Green was in the lineup. Okay. Because uh, I, I, that's the one thing, is he, he almost never throws the pitch to lefties. Last year, he threw two change-ups to lefties. Uh, it's, the cutter is... It's, he's very, like, bifurcated, depending on which handedness he's facing. He throws... The cutter almost exclusively lefties. He throws the curveball and changeup almost exclusively to righties. So that's the the one thing that I would wonder is just like, 
was it a, a lineup trick, but you know, the fact that he got nine strikeouts, got a, a decent number of swing strikes. I think it's a, it's a, it's a promising sign. I, I have seen nothing to change my opinion on Framber Valdez one way or the other. I think he's going to be very, very good. If the shape of his goodness is slightly different, so be it. But I think he'll, I think he's fine. Let's that changeup was also up 1.6 miles per hour, which also suggests it's not the same changeup he used in the past. Let's guess together the batting handedness of Ryan Creedler, who played second base for the Tigers on uh, Tuesday night. What do you guys think? <laughs> Righty. I'm going to say righty. Scott? I said righty, too. Yeah. All righty. Yep. You guys are all right. There you go. Righty. So, uh, so is he. The only lefty in the lineup was Riley Green. So, yeah, you, you might be onto something there, Chris. Aces that were flat out bad on Tuesday. Zach Gallen, six innings, five runs. Four of those were earned. Only three strikeouts, two home runs allowed. Only seven swinging strikes on 86 pitches. Fastball was down 1.1 miles per hour. Again, much like his first start, Max Scherzer, who we've mentioned multiple times, he gave up back-to-back-to-back home runs to Rowdy Telez, Brian Anderson, and Garrett Mitchell. He still had 14 swinging strikes, but allowed 14 hard hits and a 94.5 mile-per-hour average exit velocity against. Are you guys actually worried about either one? Gallon, Scherzer. Gallon more so than Scherzer, but not particularly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Some hitting leftovers. Xander Bogarts went two for four. Hit his third home run. That home run came off of Zach Allen. And uh, look, this is someone I had as a bust this year. And uh, I didn't like the move to San Diego. So far, it looks good, man. Three home runs. And, uh, you know, Fernando Tatis is not in this lineup yet. And he very easily could make me look foolish. Although, obviously, it's a very small sample size. The D-backs ran wild in that game. They had five steals total. One for each of Alec Thomas, Jake McCarthy, Geraldo Perdomo, Cattell Marte, and Josh Rojas. No contract extension. No problem. Brian Reynolds went two, uh, three for four with his league-leading fourth home run of the season. And Teoscar Hernandez is on the board with a double dong as well. For my deep leaguers out there, we'll quickly mention uh, Jason Hayward. That's right. Has started two games in a row. He's homered in each. This Jason Vossler guy hit another home run. A 444-foot shot for the Cincinnati Reds. He's playing first base while Joey Votto is out. And guess what? The Luke Rayleigh guy, who I also spoke about yesterday, he also hit another home run. So there you go. Some uh, For NLAL only. Matt Strom, he didn't go very deep, but he looked pretty good. He was at the Yankees, four shutout, one hit, one walk, three strikeouts. This guy, obviously, like the deepest of leagues, but uh, anything on these names? Strom, Vossler, Rayleigh, Hayward? Uh, I mean, my stance on Vossler and Rayleigh is the same, where, you know, they, they had strikeout issues in the minors, and that's why they're only getting a chance in the majors now in their late 20s. And I generally bet against that, even if they're hot right now. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's get into some uh, bullpen updates here. I see uh, someone for the Dodgers got a save. We'll talk about that. Uh, for the Diamondbacks, Miguel Castro, Andrew Chafin, and Scott McGuff likely unavailable because they pitched two days in a row. Dre Jameson converted a two-inning save, but he was pretty shaky in that one. I noticed uh, changes pitch mix. He used, in his first relief outing, used a slider 51% of the time. He used it just 24% this time out and clearly didn't have the same level of effectiveness. So I wonder if maybe he just didn't have a feel for that pitch. Chris, what do you think about this early season usage for uh, for Dre Jameson? I think they are trying to use him in a way that keeps him stretched out in case they need him in the rotation, and that's mostly what it is. I think they'll, they'll pick their spots, but they're going to try to use him in multi-inning spurts because you know if a, if a need arises, I think he'll get called on at some point. Yeah, well, Madison Bumgarner is dealing with that arm injury. I don't know if it's actually real or they're just trying to find a way to get Mad Bum out of that rotation. I thought maybe Dre Jameson would be an option, but I don't know. Maybe maybe he could be used as a closer, too. I mean, there's an opening there. I don't know. One way I think Dre Jameson is going to have value. I just don't know which way yet. For the Nationals, oh, God, Kyle Finnegan. If you started him, uh, my thoughts are with you because... In my most important league, I started him, and it was terrible. A one-run lead in the ninth. He gave up back-to-back home runs to Luke Rayleigh and Josh Lowe. Then he later gave up a three-run homer to Yandy Diaz. The Nats later have four games in Coors Field this week, as the kid w- kids would say. Big yikes. Big yikes there for uh, Kyle Finnegan. Is that Hunt- what the kids say? Yeah, that's what they say, Scott. <laughs> I, th- I think. 
Not that I know. I, I don't have kids, so. Okay. <laughs> but I, I see some kids, the kids on the internet using that term. And uh, Hunter Harvey is the next name up for those who play in deeper leagues. For the Braves, A.J. Minter does indeed get the first save opportunity for them. He pitched a clean ninth for his first save. 60% rostered if you need a closer while Rysel Iglesias is out. For the Phillies, Craig Kimbrell pitched a ninth inning with a four-run lead. He gave up a solo home run to D.J. LeMahieu. That could be foreshadowing for their first save opportunity. For the Oakland A's, Danny Jimenez recorded five outs across the seventh and eighth with the game tied. Trevor May pitched in the, in the ninth inning, and then I believe the Oakland A's walked it off in mm-hmm. the bottom of the ninth, so he wound up with the win. For the Dodgers, it was Phil Bickford who started the ninth with a five-run lead. He gave up two runs, and then was relieved by Evan Phillips, who got the final two outs for his first save, uh, Bruce Star Gradall pitched in the eighth. So, okay, maybe some signs of uh, Dodgers reliever usage moving forward. The regulars, David Bednar picked up his third save, and Jordan Romano picked up his second save of the season. To stream or not to stream for Wednesday, Mitch Keller at the Red Sox. Anybody? Nah. No? Not, not feeling it. Corey Kluber versus the Pirates. Definitely not feeling it. I think I'd rather start Keller. <laughs> David yep. Peterson at the Brewers. Not so right now, one, man. This is the one yesterday that I said, if you're forcing me to pick one from this slate, I guess it would be Peterson. I don't know. I'm not man. enthusiastic about it. Yesterday, it was a slam dunk for me. And now, now that he's going up against superstar Brian Anderson, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, I'm, still, I'm still starting David Peterson if you have him. Eduardo Rodriguez at the Astros. Nope. Nah. Hunter Gaddis at the A's. Nope. nope. Kyle Muller versus the Guardians. Nah. Nope. Chris Flexen versus the Angels. Nope. nope. Zach Ranky versus the Blue Jays. You know. Nope. <laughs> I did add Zach Ranky in a league. I'm not starting him, but I did add him in a league this week. His velocity is up. He's over 90 miles per hour. We have seen him be very, very effective in this range before. I just want to say I'm keeping an eye on it. Yes. I think wait and see. Put him on the scout team, but. Do not stream him. Bryce Elder at the Cardinals. No. On Thursday, Spencer Turnbull versus the Red Sox. No. No. Edward Cabrera is, he's kind of on the fringe here. He's 71% rostered at the Mets. He wasn't impressive enough in the first start. I would would go away from him. Yeah. But if you're forcing me to pick somebody from this group, it's probably him. Uh, I think I would take this next one instead. Tyler McGill versus the Marlins. I'd rather start Cabrera than Miguel. I like Cabrera uh, more long term, but six walks in his first start. Uh, yeah, that's the thing is like he, he needed he to walk six in his second. He probably should just be optioned. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Uh, I think I'd rather start Miguel. Alex Wood at the White Sox. Probably nah. not. No, nah, they're they're typically pretty good against left-handed pitching. They have a lot of righties in that lineup. Clark Schmidt at the Orioles. No. That one's okay, especially in Baltimore. All right. Dean Kramer versus the Yankees. Nope. And good old Kyle Freeland versus the Nats. Come on. Nope. All right. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 